Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, hello? Guess who? Me again. Hey, excuse the interruption, but it's a very important interruption. We've decided to put on a show for you, my listeners, who've hung in there and waited and waited, as we have, to get this thing up and running. The show is called The Groomer, and it's about an investigation that I was part of which centred around the distorted world of a pedophile. It's pretty raw, but educational, where I also talk about online grooming with a special guest and the damage that online grooming, or grooming in general, causes to all those involved. So please come and join me on Saturday, the 19th of March, 2022, at the Village Roadshow Theatre at the State Library, 179 Latrobe Street in Melbourne. 7pm start goes till about 9. The tickets are through Eventbrite. Uh, COVID rules will apply and you know the go. Masks, no kissing, no hugging, no smooches, no holding hands, no personal displays of affection. And that's just for me. <laughs> Hope to see you there. Bye. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur, please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Please keep in mind that there's always two sides, sometimes more, to every story. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs. Not everybody will agree with them. I never want to tell any guest what to say or what not to say. So there will always be others that see it differently, and I understand that. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime, from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this, my own podcast. I'm still pinching myself. 
Thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. I was impacted in more ways than one and it it drove me to a point where it made me evaluate my own life negatively and it was all from this incident. My life was almost taken away and then when it was given back to me, it was like, oh, Jesus, did I really do it it properly? Uh, Today's guest, Daniel Barrett, he contacted me around the end of last year to thank me for helping uh, keep him company whilst travelling the many Ks he does as a truck driver. He happened to mention in his email that he'd been diagnosed with PTSD around five years ago due to an incident which had changed him as a person and spurred him to pursue his dream of being a musician. And there just seemed to be something in his message that I thought was worth pursuing. So often it takes a traumatic incident for us to reassess life and start taking some risks, which we'd hesitated to do prior to that trauma, or we decide to go down a path that we come across which we'd never, ever considered before. Dan had always loved music. He wrote his own songs and played guitar, but it took a woman using his truck to end her life that changed his priorities and made him realise that if we wait too long, opportunities can pass us by. Dan won't get older, like many of us, wondering what if, because he's taken the plunge. He's put aside those negative thoughts that many of us have about ourselves, where we lack confidence in trying something new, telling ourselves that we can't do something, we're not good enough, or what if I fail? Many of us will ourselves to fail before we've even started. Dan still drives trucks, but now he also sings and plays guitar in public, taking not only himself but others into a space he'd only ever dreamed of. Dan and I laughed as we shared how we both keep pinching ourselves, wondering if where we are and where we've come from is real or a dream. If you look up Dan on Mr Google, he's referred to as a musician, which must be all a little surreal to him. I don't know how he's got time to drive trucks anymore as his gigs seem to be taking up most of his time. But today it's about giving you the courage, motivation and inspiration to do that thing you've never thought you could, to jump in and not worry about what others think. Do something that makes you feel good and which just so happens to make others feel good too. Don't wait for something traumatic to happen to catapult you into following that secret ambition to do something you never thought you could. Dan is testament to putting yourself out there and seeing what happens. So thanks for your time today, Dan, and thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest. I know it wasn't what you expected when you wrote to me, but again, it just shows some things happen when you least expect them. So How's your Christmas, New Year? How's all that been? Well, it was a lot different to last year. I mean, last year we, we were locked down and you couldn't really be anywhere or it had to be a little hush-hush type thing. And, yeah. But this year, now my brother's just bought a house in Albury, so we um, went, went to Albury and spent the day there and, and a few other places. And the New Year, I had a gig at uh, the Caledonian in Echuca. Um, played there. Um, it was too hot on New Year's Day to play a gig out in the open at um, Henry's, but uh, no, the gigs are going well and my um, holiday as well. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, so, talking of gigs and you playing guitar, I don't think that we can start today without giving the listeners a sample of the type of music that you play and maybe explain a little bit about the song that you've chosen and why. So, what song are you going to sing for us today and why have you chosen it? 
I've actually chosen one of my original songs that I isn't necessarily recorded. Um, it's a song that a lot of people who follow me resonate with. It's called Go Slow. It's a song about my nan who's still with us, but it, it's called Go Slow because my whole life, uh, basically me and all my cousins, we just run around like headless chooks out on our farm. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, she just pulls us up every now and again and just says, go slow. And, and it also, you know, when we're on the phone, it's the last thing she says. And, and yeah. even our Christmas cards and birthday cards, it's always in there. So it's just a, it's a, I suppose, I wrote it at a point where I got, and I realized that, you know, everything's going 100 miles an hour yeah. and eventually you turn around and you're like, geez, I've missed half of it. So yeah. it's about just slowing down and just yeah. taking every opportunity mm -hmm. that comes your way and not worrying about trying to get to the finish line, you know, quick. I must admit I, um, I have a, fr a friend who's a very good friend of our podcast, Ron Idles, and when I uh, retired, he gave me a beautiful card and the card said uh, something along the lines to uh, take time to smell the roses. And I suppose in a way that's what your nan means is yeah. to take your time, yeah. don't rush, yeah. you know, because you might miss the best thing yeah. <laughs> that was there sort of. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you use that line. Actually, another song I'm born to run, which I won't play today, it's, it's on Spotify and stuff, but it's got a line that literally says, um, I wish I could... Um, slow down, smell the roses, yeah. um, and, and basically take time to smell the moment. Like yeah. the idea of just yeah. stopping and, and seeing what's around you at the time rather than worrying about what's going on next week. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, Dan, and um, take it away. Child, and all the freedom to rule No fences on the backyard Just go on with the sun Holidays with my cousins and my brother On our family farm Fair to say that I had no bringing Luckier than some Now believe me now I can see the dreams in all our eyes Cause I know she pulled us all aside To give us a friendly advice She says go slow Take a long run What you want will still be there tomorrow We all know you're gonna fly Make something of your life One day you realize how fast this life goes so just go slow By the time I was 18 I was ready to leave my home Left my town for the street lights Faster than anyone Thought I knew all I had to know About what it took to live to the big city up and spat me out To go out again One thing in this life I've never forgotten She signs over my birthday cards Right down on the bottom And she writes, go slow Take the long run Things you want will still 
Absolutely beautiful. God, what a voice. Oh, gives me goosebumps. <laughs> Boy, thanks, Dan. So when did you realise you had a voice like that? Well, it's hard to say. I, I guess you could say I've always had the voice, but I think it's something that definitely matures over time. I know the songs that I've written, a lot of the getting better aspect comes from experience, getting through good times and tough times, which allows you to have not just a story to tell, but a story that resonates with someone listening to it. Yeah. And I think you'd have to agree that most songs that you hear, we can all resonate in a way, can't we, with um, a word or a verse or I don't know, something. But I think most people can find something in a song. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. Um, so... Where did your love of music come from? Like, did your parents play music when you were a kid or is it just something you discovered yourself? Well, none of my family plays music, so to speak. I've, I've always had music in my life, hundreds of, th- uh, hundreds of CDs and stuff on, on top of the, of the TV that I used to steal and chuck in my Discman. Yeah, a discman. Yeah. It's, uh, hey, I hey, I used to have a record player. Yeah, well, people still have record players. Are cool, cool. Like, discmans are in the recycling. But, uh, you know, I'd usually borrow, yeah, just CDs and go sit in my room and listen to them. And that was before I even had the guitar. I didn't, I didn't get a guitar till I was sixteen. Okay. You know, and, and even then, it sort of just. Um, I, I used to. Nan has a. We, we come off a farm, and, and yeah. Nan has. Um, a piano and back when before it went out of tune my cousins and I used to play on that and, and my, my one of my cousins Kayla she um, her and I would always be singing finding time to sing but I never really you know wrote a song or tried to learn a song until I was 16. Okay yeah. and so those those CDs that you pinched 
yeah. from mum and dad's, yeah. uh, the discs, yes. sorry. Discs. Yeah. Um, what sort of discs were you pinching from mum and dad that you liked? Well, we had so many because dad was, he wasn't a DJ. This was back when he had a six stack of CD player and you just yeah. line them all up. But, yeah. you know, everything from Brian Adams to um, Fleetwood Mac, uh, yeah. Susie Quattro. I mean, I've got Susie Quattro on <laughs> my set. You know, and there's things like that, and, and that's that's what happens. Is like, and and the aspect of it too is you don't just hear the songs. Like when you think of Brian Adams, a lot of people go to Summer of '69 or something yeah. like that. But he's yeah. got such a massive back catalogue, and that's where you you used to get with CDs that you don't get now because you just buy the song that you want, yeah. Rather yeah. than back back in the old. Here I am, 28, talking about the old days. <laughs> it's been a tough life, <laughs> but uh, it's it's yeah. I'm just it. You, you grow up listening to a whole CD front to back and, and having a connection with each song rather mm. than worrying about, mm. you know, that that's the song that everyone loves right now. I've got favourite songs that people don't know about because they don't even know they exist. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I must admit um, music is a huge part of my life because uh, I'm not sure if you listening to my um, podcast, you might realise that my husband and I don't have a TV. What? So we listen to lots and lots of music. Yeah. We've got a really wide range, but our yeah. oh, music takes, well, I think it takes us all to places yeah. that we just love and you can just, oh, I love, but you just talk then about Fleetwood Mac. Oh, my God, I love Fleetwood Mac. Uh, there's, oh, yeah, you brought up a lot, um, like Susie Quattro. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Not all that long ago, I was at a wedding, and there was uh, a, a you know a guy playing a, a small group. Anyway, they said, "Oh, any requests?" And there wasn't many people dancing. Anyway, I don't know where it came from, but I said, "Oh, do you know Daddy Cool uh, and Eagle Rock?" Yeah. Anyway, they did. Yeah. I think most people know yeah. that that play. Yeah. Well, I'm t- it. It went off. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it takes sometimes. It's it's sometimes some of the songs that I do, people they just come out of nowhere. So yeah. it's like they you, you they don't expect you to know the song. Sometimes people are there to try and trip you up. <laughs> and and when it's and, and I'm I'm fairly new to it too. Like one of my the thing about my brand of music is is I play what I like to play. Yeah. Not necessarily what everybody else okay. wants to hear and, and and sometimes people find that hard to understand but it's when I do come out with a song like um I play uh Don Williams uh, Amanda which is a which is something that someone like uh, Chris Davidson does but the yeah. amount of times I get people that come up to me like you'll have uh, some some old bloke come up and he goes I remember when I brought that on vinyl <laughs> and I was just like he goes how do you know that song and I, was like, I don't know mate I don't know it's a bit the same like Susie Quattro. Looking yeah. at you now, I'm for the listeners. I'm looking at Dan, and he's you know 28, and he's got he, he looks young. And I think to, well, anyone would look young to me, but I think to myself, Susie Quattro. I couldn't imagine Dan yeah. uh, liking Susie Quattro. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. So, what stopped you from pursuing um, music as a career? Uh, early on, I think it was just youth and lack of experience. Uh, yeah. Even today, I'm still self-taught. I only know a few chords. And, and back when I was 16, I was already writing, but I had nothing to write about. Yeah. Um, and people would uh, – the expectation of learning what people wanted to play to was very sort of heavy on my shoulders. Like I, yeah. they, they'd want me to learn a song and I'd go home and I'd try and it was just – 
yeah, I just couldn't do it or I didn't, I didn't like heart, the song. But your heart yeah. wasn't in it. Yeah, so one thing, um, when I, the reason why I didn't do it when I was younger is just because I, I, I wasn't ready. I, I, I thought I was and I wasn't, so I stepped in and I stepped back out. And well, that was one thing I promised myself, um, taking such a big risk only you know, 14 months ago that um, stay true to myself, like yeah. play my own music because that's what I want. And if it goes, well, if it goes to shit, it goes yeah, to shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's just it's just a trial and error thing. I, I learn songs that I want to hear, and I try and do the best with my own vocals and mm-hmm. and do the song justice. That's mm-hmm. that's the whole thing while enjoying it at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be a job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I get that so much. I know my listeners are going to start thinking, hmm, how does music and true crime connect? But we will. Yeah. <laughs> so, what sort of music do you listen to on your long trips? Um, well. I listen to, uh, obviously, Storytellers um, is where I get a lot of my inspiration from. So I, I start there. Um, like a lot of people would know who Chris Stapleton is, and he's a phenomenal writer. He's written for people like Adele, mm-hmm. um, and he sort of branches across all forms. But, again, rock and roll. and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> What about a bit of Kenny Rogers? I have to say, the amount of times I've been, The Gamble is one of those songs, it'll end up in my repertoire, but it's like I'm still holding off. I've still got the door shut. I, that's one thing. A lot, of the, a lot of the songs that I grew up with, like there's songs that I didn't grow up with. So Garth, Garth Brooks is a country singer. I didn't really grow up with him. Yeah, I didn't grow yeah. up with Kenny Rogers. I grew up with more sort of alternative for the period yeah, of, yeah. of what it was, you know, yeah. those people that were blurred across all different yeah. genres rather, rather than someone like Kenny Rogers who's a king of country music. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking here, I'm just thinking you could play the uh, Kenny Rogers and I could sing. What do they do? They do this one um, uh, with uh, Dolly Parton. Yeah, oh, yeah. not that I can't, um, nowhere near Dolly Parton. Stick but I to the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what will happen? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can you tell us about the day uh, that I suppose the music died for you and how you got yourself back up again? Because it sounds horrific. Um, okay. So it was 2018, mid 2018. Um, I'm a truck driver by trade. I've sort of finished up now, but back then I was working for my dad. Um, carting firewood down to Melbourne area and all that sort of thing. And I was just uh, driving along one night on a long haul sort of thing, um, not too far from here actually, um, out towards Elmore. And uh, it, yeah, I was just driving along in the middle of the night and I came up across what I thought were tail lights, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it turned out to be parker lights on the front of a vehicle on my side of the road. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she, uh, this woman basically at the point of no return decided to put her high beams on, drive out into oncoming traffic, um, and run into me. It wasn't, it, I, I tried to evade and stuff like that. There was a big, like you being in, in the police force, there's a big sort of no no about not crossing the middle lane and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which it's hard to do when you're, you know, carrying 40 tons and, and you, you don't want to, you're, you're not. You, you want to you want to try and evade, but you've got to try and save yourself as well. So, yeah. I I guess I I veered to the left um, to try and go off the road to allow this car to come back across, and she ultimately made the 
the final decision and turned back into the front of my truck and and I went over the top of her vehicle um, at 90 k's an hour, um, 95 I was loaded so um, working for my dad you, you learn things like you know you don't have to go 100 all the way you know yeah. you, you, um, and that is actually probably a reason why I'm still here because if I doing 90 k's an hour I went over the car which um, sent the truck into the air um, and brought it down onto its side um, so and which then caused the truck to skid on its side and where it ended up was off to the off the road up against a tree line and it's one of those it's one of those genuine things where if I was doing 100 k's an hour I wouldn't be here right now because really? I would have I would have went that extra extra okay. bit and yeah. um, <clears throat> there's certain things um, on my part that I just do because of the industry it is I mean I wasn't wearing a seatbelt in a in a in the truck and yeah. um, which is a no-no obviously but it caused me to be thrown across the other side of the cab um, and the fridge that was the <laughs> the only thing that really hurt me and the fridge behind the driver's seat became dislodged as well and landed on top of me which caused a bit of damage to me mm -hmm. physically mm -hmm. um, I think it from what I can remember it, it, it did knock me out a bit because I, I there's parts that I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But I came to, I got myself out of the truck. Um, and, yeah, it just, uh, yeah, she, she was um, killed instantly. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. So I can't imagine, Dan. And um, if you need a bit of a break, you tell me. Yeah, because no, I understand it's, this it's is... It's one of those things. It's like, like, I mean, even... I, I, I won't lie, I've been extremely excited to be a part of this podcast. <laughs> I, um, just the fact, like, I will mention that the, the reason that, you know, I'm here is because I fangirled Narelle <laughs> and I messaged her and I just messaged her and I said, oh, we're actually from the same sort of area, you know, and, and that. But in, in all seriousness, like, it, it did start to hit home a little bit, you know, about mm -hmm. it, it made me think about things that I haven't thought about for a while but in saying that too it's it's that the whole idea is um talking about it and that is ultimately the best thing that you can do mm -hmm. um that's one of the biggest things that i did wrong starting out which i'll get to later is is being too afraid to talk about it and, and pushing people away which makes it worse mm -hmm. um but yeah it, it's it's i live with it forever and it's it's yeah it's really good so so dan when you say was it because you were listening to the podcast and people were talking about how they feel? Is that what made you think um, I've got to like talk a bit more about this or um, oh, what's deal with it? Or is it just that it um, oh, what's that word? It oh, not catapulted you, but encouraged you to think. I want to talk to other people about this because they could learn something. Is that the sort of thing you mean? Yeah, sort of. It's like um, you obviously you, you do find yourself sometimes you bring things up in conversation that you probably shouldn't. Mm. Um, like people don't ask to know things, but I'm kind of one of those open book people. Like it, I'll, I'll end up putting myself in a position where a conversation <laughs> steers towards it actually. But yeah. it's – at the same time, like one of the big things is you're not you're not going to get over a traumatic experience if you don't um, if you don't overcome it within yourself first. Yeah. Um, so you can have a thousand people tell you 
like that it wasn't your fault or yeah. you can have someone who's been through the experience that that's the time like when you get people who've literally been in the same experience which i had um, a family friend who's had the same incident uh, yeah. where a family was sort of the same deal and yeah. and that was the only time i felt like this person understands other yeah. than that you you have people think they know but they don't sometimes yeah. and and I, I suppose through your podcast and i'm a bit of a crime buff so i always hear a lot of stuff but when you know officers and and you know emergency personnel come on and they talk about ptsd and like it's hard for me to imagine yeah. but it's it's still like i understand it from my own point yes. of view yeah and, yeah. and but it's like i don't understand i couldn't i couldn't imagine the stuff that you've seen and other officers have seen but yeah. i it, we'll get to it but i can't I could never be the highway patrol person yeah. that, that was at my scene that has to basically walk through the whole thing, yeah. see the things that I didn't have to see, yeah. you know. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. PTSD, it's, it's sort of one of those things, like, it's not always talked about and you don't always feel it. It can creep up on you mm-hmm. in times you don't even expect. I've been in a party having a time of my life and something's happened and, yeah. and it just – it changes you and, yeah. and once you're in you can't kind of get out no no you can't and, and so yeah I know what you mean about highway patrol because I've just in the last couple of days received a really really concerning email from somebody who is in the job at the moment uh, and their highway patrol and talk about like they are so damaged but they don't want to tell anybody because they love the job they love what they do but it has damaged them and you you can just read what through what they're saying I mean I cannot imagine as you say you've seen what you've seen and you can't unsee it can you you've seen what you've seen but they see all the oh I do apologize but all the real grisly stuff you know and I, I do think like well first of all the biggest positive for my own mental health on that night was the fact that two other truck drivers that actually did um, see, like, the car wreck, they went to make sure that that person was all right first. So they seen the part that I didn't see. But when it came to, like, the first thing I did, I, I got out, I climbed across the back of the truck, I got down, I didn't have any shoes on. Like, I had, I was driving in thongs and they were nowhere to be seen by the time. Mm-hmm. But it... I, I, the first thing you want to do, I had, there was, there was strangers picking up firewood off the road, trying to clear the roadway. Um, and the first thing I wanted to do was like, is there any chance that this person's still alive? So I start running back to where all this has happened, 60 meters, like the truck skidded for ages. And it's, these two truck drivers basically grabbed me by the shoulders and just said, mate, like, that's the last thing that you want to do, you know, and, and it's, and, and I understand it, and, and there's a form of guilt about it, but, like, it's one of those, there's, you've already had enough of your own mm-hmm. because you didn't you didn't wish to be there and, and you don't, like. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to that highway patrol, like, I did try and go into the Bendigo police station and try and catch up with him, and, and it actually so happens that when I did, he was on leave, not for mine, but for something else, like for personal, for, through something else. And it's what you say is like every now and then, like they never know what they're going to. No, no. They, like, no. they have to go there and they never know what they're going to. So what yeah. they see, like I yeah. couldn't imagine. No. Um, you just mentioned then 
about the guilt. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Oh, it's even like at the I a lot of my recovery mentally was about re revisiting what happened, like every step of it, driving along, knowing that I seen it. And and when you do like think of when you're driving, you you see someone on the side of the road, they might they might stop for for like a leak or something and, and you pull over, you, you get more close to the middle of the road to avoid yes. that person, give them that space or a cyclist or something. Mm. So I, I revisited, I did the same thing. I move over to, to overtake it and then, you know, you actually, the moment that you put her lights on and they weren't reverse lights, they were, they, it was looking okay. at me, yeah. it was the instant realisation that something's not right here. Yeah. You know, like something, like you don't just flip your lights yeah. on in front yeah. of someone. And, yeah. and it automatically you're in, you're in like, like save mode. Yes. Like you, you're like, all right, what's this person going to do? It's like, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, so you, and you run through everything that you could have done, everything that you mm-hmm. did and, and made mm-hmm. sure. And, and you just feel, you always come back to the fact that like they're, they're no longer here, like, and and there's nothing. Even though you did everything you could, like, you still, yeah. And like, oh, it's not just guilt. You feel so many emotions. I remember laying in the bed in the hospital, um, and the thing is, like, doctors and nurses come and go. They check you, and, and like, every time they come back, I was in tears because I was going through not just sadness but a range of emotions. Oh, I mean, yeah. you've got to imagine I was 23 years old, and I've never had a situation where you know that type of situation. And the first thing, I, the first thing I did. Like when I actually got myself collected enough, and I, and I was bleeding and things like that, but I rang my dad, and I, I first thing I did is I apologised because I just destroyed his truck. <laughs> no, seriously, and, and like I felt I felt guilt about that. Like I just, you know, and then, but then it was like the first thing I, I it was the first time I'd actually legitimately, you know, um, confided in my dad that you know I felt like my life was over. Just because you don't understand, like I was, yeah, I was. At the end of the yeah, exactly. I was like, exactly. I was like, yeah. I was like, am I going to jail? Like, am I going to be, am I going to be prosecuted for, you know? And and that's one thing where the ambulance did an amazing job just on that side. They obviously had their job to do, but on the way back to Bendigo, they were just there. They're like, we want to reassure you that, like, mm-hmm. this is something. This is not your fault, for starters, mm-hmm. and and even. Yeah, but you still go through the motions every day. absolutely. And I'm imagining that you would be, no matter what anybody said to you, you would be thinking, my God, I've just, I'm assuming, and I'm sorry we have to use the word, but I've just killed somebody. I mean, sorry, they they did that. That's exactly what I thought. I I thought I'd, like, it, it, it obviously wasn't murder, but it's like you've just taken somebody's life. Mm-hmm. You, you've just and mm-hmm. and and you're the only person who was there, and that's the things like are people going to believe that you're doing the right thing? Like, mm-hmm. and 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 that's why um, when I was in the ambulance getting ready to leave, they was strapping me in and everything, and and I could sort of I was still present, so I could tell that the highway patrol was out the, out the side of the ambulance, and they basically taken sort of like a report, but it was like verbal report, like yes. the the ambulance. I think they were trying to get me to talk about what happened, not in my point of view. And 
you know, I, there was things like I knew I didn't cross the line, and and you don't you don't veer across to the wrong side of the road because that's you've lost half of your battle, sort of. And yeah. so everything I was trying to do, if I was going off the road, it was going off to the left. So and I and I said that I said I I got as far over as I could, and when I couldn't go any further, I went back to the left to get off the road. Yeah. Um, and and my like my my drag marks, my skid marks showed that I, there's there's a. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. For a year and a half to two years, there was a line. There was still lines heading into oh. Elmore where you mm-hmm. could tell I didn't cross the line. So, mm-hmm. and that, like, I suppose in an evidence idea, like, um, but, yeah, that police officer, he listened to everything I had to say and, and he obviously has to be, like, um, objective in a yeah. way. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll get to, like, he came, when he turned up to the hospital at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and he was more concerned about my welfare and just wanting to, like, when you hear it from a police officer that you haven't done anything wrong, yeah. it's pretty, I'll tell you, it's <laughs> pretty, pretty powerful. It is. I know, I've been, I know I haven't been, you know, um, I've been in the ride or something. Like, you get pulled over sometimes because they think you're on your phone or you're doing something, like, and you've got an earpiece in, and you're like, yeah. I know I haven't done anything wrong, but I still feel guilty. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like. Don't laugh because even now, uh, even when I was in the job, yeah. Uh, and I was off duty, and I'd get pulled over for something, and I'd think I'd get nervous myself. So I can understand as a truck driver, and you must hear terrible, terrible stories about the cops do this and the cops do that. Tell us about the policeman coming in and how you felt and what he said to you. Well, I mean, like, I, I... Yeah, I was laying on my back for a good three hours and and in a neck brace and and I had my like 
that's the other thing too. My, my partner at the time, um, she was still in Melbourne. She was in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne and, and she was the second person I called and she was a volunteer firefighter, mm-hmm. right? And she, it was a Wednesday. So she's at training, mm-hmm. couldn't even tell her. And then I think, I'm sorry, I'm going a bit off track. No, no, but, go, go for it. But it, so my brother actually contacted her to make sure she was okay, but she hadn't heard from me yet. Okay. And, she, and when she said, what's wrong? And my brother's like, oh, oh. maybe you should, sorry, call Daniel. So mm-hmm. she called me and, and she's also, um, she was a studying paramedic and she's, a, mm-hmm. anyway, she, um, so when I finally spoke to her, I had the, um, the machine beside me beeping. Mm-hmm. And the first thing she said is there's a, there's a machine beside you, what's wrong, are you okay? Like, so she's, we fast forward and she's been, she's in the hospital with me and, and, um, then the cops come in and they have my logbook and stuff, and which was all fine, and they'd gone through it and stuff. Which, Thank God. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't go into that. That's another story for another time. But it's just like I, I didn't even care about that at yeah. that point. Like yeah. I, it didn't even cross my mind, yeah. you know. And and he just come in and, and he said, um, he just said that this is an absolute tragedy. He goes, I can't, like he was saying to me that I can't, imagine what it's like like being in my oh, position as a young yeah. and and he just said look the best thing that you can do is is focus on um moving forward and and, and obviously getting any help you need but he said as far as like don't ever like this was not your your mistake or anything like that and and um, i bet you needed to hear that yeah, yeah yeah and that's it you just he um and we even even the next day or the uh, two days later or something i went in and i gave a formal interview and the same thing, he's just, they're, police officers are so, they're just, they have to be so blunt sometimes because yeah. it's one thing that you get with them is like, they see so much traumatic stuff that they just can come across as blunt. Yes. So it's like um, the person, the, the, the woman had, um, from what I understand, some personal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and And he was just sort of like, it was it was a reason as to why, but it's like he had his own views, which kind of surprised me as well. Yeah. Um, but he's just very he's just very blunt about it. But but also, I think what you're saying is that he could also make it um, like I'm not saying he was empathetic, but he was understanding. Yeah. But I mean, just before when I said the word killed. Yeah. It's a hard word to say, but yeah. you've got to be because what what he's interviewing you about, it would go to a, a poss- an inquest, yeah, uh, exactly. coroner. So you can't pussyfoot around with yeah. all this. These oh, I do apologise because there's so many out there that have been through this, but you can't pussyfoot around with nice words. Yeah, exactly. You've really got to be um, honest, and sometimes. Um, painfully honest yeah. but and I, I get what you mean about blunt but you just have to be yeah yeah that's yeah. it and, and it was just um yeah it was it was I, I definitely didn't sleep any better that night but just to know that you know when I wake up tomorrow I'm, one I'm still here yeah. and and two like yeah I've still got a life to live and I think that's where most of the the um like the challenge for me moving forward was mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. here I am. I I literally dodged death. Absolutely. 
Mm. Like I, it's, I can't explain every detail, but it's I did. Mm. And and the hardest part moving forward from that was, all right, like nothing against them, <laughs> but I'm a truck driver and I've done nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, like I I'm not getting the most out of life. Yes. So and, and I was sort of oh, I don't know what the word is, but I was. I was so angry about the fact that I've done nothing, but I was doing nothing to change it either. And yes. that's where, and, and it was sort of self-doubt that, that made me do that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of my anger and sadness and everything, it, it drove me to a point where I didn't know anymore. Yeah. And that's the truth about it. That's the harsh truth about it is that yeah. you get like, when you go through a traumatic incident and, that, and, and you feel helpless and, and hopeless you mm-hmm. even think about like things yourself mm-hmm. and and um it was at that point that it started to affect relationships with people around me because exactly. i tried to i tried to like draw myself away because mm-hmm. i didn't want to i didn't want to affect anybody else i think what that's about is uh that is and i think it's fairly typical where you are internalizing how you feel because you don't know how you feel yourself. You can't explain it. There's no words because you've never been in this position before. Yeah. So it's very, very, um, oh, it's very confronting. No, it, it's, it is. And, and it's um, you, that's where it comes back to the hardest part about going through any form of trauma and, and longevity of trauma and, and the effects of PTSD is that you've got to come to terms with yourself mm. and not just that whatever's happened, but just to, like be confident in yourself and be mm. and be happy within yourself. Mm. Um, before Easier you, said than done. Exactly, and that's, the, that's why it's the hardest part. Mm. It's like you can have a thousand friends. I'm a musician and even in some respects, like I can have 50, 100, 200 people in a room and sometimes you just still feel lonely because mm. like you don't, they don't owe you anything either mm-hmm. you know you put your heart on your sleeve and you play mm-hmm. to them but you yeah. don't and, and yeah you make some friends but you also just make conversation mm-hmm. you know and and that's that's um it's the same with an ordeal is like you've got to you've got to be comfortable in yourself before you start letting other people in mm-hmm. um, especially the ones you care about it's a bit like me with um, my PTSD is that I had to accept that I had PTSD. I had to accept that I had been diagnosed with a mental illness and that's really hard to accept. Yeah. But until I did accept that, I couldn't get any better. Yeah. And that's what you're saying yeah. is that you have to do something uh, to help yourself really rather yeah. than getting everybody else. But I suppose what I want to know at this point is did you – when the, the policeman said you're going to have to, uh, what did he say about um, basically getting some help? Yeah. Did you get some help or no? Tell us about that. I, I didn't. And, and like, it's, what, it's one of those things you try and combat yourself. Mm. You do. And, and you're a bit like I'm a pretty stubborn type of guy sometimes. So I just, like, I took it as one of those, I even – you know, I, I went home and I treated it like I just wanted time off and I just wanted to, but it, it never fixed anything because I didn't, I didn't 
I could see the problems, but I didn't have anyone to help me try and fix them or just have those conversations. Because that's the thing about, you know, um, psychiatrists and stuff is like they don't tell you what to do. And because I did end up going to see get some help, mm-hmm. and and but they don't tell you what to do. They just they basically allow you to get everything off your chest so that you can almost think about it clearly. It's someone, and it's it's like guilt-free chocolate. It's like you just, I'm trying <laughs> to be positive. No, no, but it's like you, you, you go to these people to get everything off your chest yes. and there's no, and it's selfish, but you don't have to worry about how confronting it is because yes. it's their job to listen. Absolutely. So you want to get everything out. You want to tell somebody, but it can't be someone you know. Mm-hmm. And and so you get everything off your chest and then you, it's it's on a spreadsheet and you can just look at it yourself. Yeah. And that's all you need sometimes. And, and like I still find that I probably should go back. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's I think that's where it comes to just knowing those signs as well. And I'm still not not great at it either. I, 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 I still you know, have my days and that and, and I still push people away and yeah. um but it's yeah, it's what it's with me for life. Yeah. But, but also Dan, I think um you push people away. I think most people do. You've got to be in the right frame of mind to talk about it. You've got to be with the right people. And if you're not, well, you know, I I, I think don't be too hard on yourself. You sound like you've um, you've done really well. I mean, it's a hard thing to bring people into such a difficult place and yeah. those things that you saw yeah. and those things that you felt, yeah. you can never unsee them or unfeel them, you know. Yeah. So, so, and so uh, injuries, what sort of injuries did you get? Well, it's not, I didn't get that many, I mean, the fridge itself um, landed on top of me and, and actually, you know, on top of my head. I, I ended up – I've gone through my life and I don't think I've ever broken a bone, yeah. like, to be honest. But they – like, I my friend worked or works at Bendigo and, and she told me that they thought I was coming in with a fractured skull and everything just because a lot of the, a lot of the stories – of truck driver, it's it's the one thing that happens. There's an accident, and the fridge is the thing that can kill a truck driver. Mm. And and so they were expecting the worst on that front. But I've got a couple of scars down my ribs and things like that. And and um, yeah, it was and and obviously a major concussion and mm. and things. But I well, that side of it physically, I probably became I got out unscathed. Mm. Um, yeah. So mm. there's a message in there for all the truck drivers. Get rid of that fridge. (laughs) Because I reckon I know what's in that fridge. (laughs) Exactly. You have to to fill it up. So, did you ever find anything out about uh, the lady, or did you prefer not to know? Um, That was one thing that I sort of battled with as well. Is like, obviously, I'm I'm a bit of a like. I like to call myself a social moth. I'm not as beautiful as a butterfly, but I like to get around the place. So, like, that's me as a person. That, yeah. That's that's just the lightheartedness of it. So yeah. there was always a part of me that I was like, I need to know more about this person. Like, I had a, I felt like I had, like, an obligation to yeah. know because it is a – but at the same time, I was also very angry 
Yeah. You know, and, and I didn't want to know anything about them. I wanted to forget about them altogether. Yeah. So um, I, I knew, I found out, you know, I found out reasons why that probably drove her there literally and and I and the sad part about it is at the time I was living in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne I was living in a place called Moorlebark um, yeah. and and not far away is Ringwood mm-hmm. and she was from Ringwood okay. and that's cr- the crazy thing about it she wasn't even from this mm-hmm. area she drove there I think from memory it was something along the line this is all coming back from the highway patrol in the interview yeah. he just yeah. sort of found out some information from talking to the family but um, she grew up in this area Okay. Um, and that's and she um, was suffering from um, uh, I can't remember what it was now. She was diagnosed with um, onset dementia, um, oh. and you know, and it's one of those things. And, and that's the thing too is like that in itself is a, is a, a major um, debilitating illness. So you don't you have to. I sympathise with the idea of like what drove her there, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like you're still angry that. You know, and that, and that was so. I I also have a lot of respect, obviously, for the family that I don't know and everything. I, I never set out to know any more about it. I mm-hmm. I didn't. I I know I've never actually stopped at the place and like, mm-hmm. and um, I just yeah. There's two side two. I was impacted, and there's a family somewhere that's impacted. Yeah. And and yeah, there's part. I I I come to grips with the fact I don't want to know. Yeah. You know any more about yeah. it than that. I, I suppose I think it's sad enough yeah. um, without wanting to know any more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that, I mean, and I'm am I right in imagining that, yes, you have anger about what it has um, done to you, it's impacted yeah. you hugely, but I suppose in another way, would I be right in saying there was a real sadness as well because of the position, like what must people get to? Yeah. to and that's sort of what I was trying to hint on before without being, because we've spoken before and I said I'm a pretty open book, I'll tell it how it is and, I, and I'm trying to avoid telling what I, what I want to say but it's like the heavy load that she was carrying was almost placed on me immediately. Absolutely. So it's like whatever she was feeling, like I, it's – um, like suicidal thoughts and stuff. It's like it, you don't think it pops into your mind mm-hmm. at all, but like sometimes it does. And it's not to say like drastically. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's what I was trying to touch on before is that I was impacted in more ways than one, mm-hmm. and, and it drove me to a point where it tried. It, it made me evaluate my own life negatively, mm-hmm. and and it, and and it was all from this incident. Like I, I just, my life was almost taken away, and then when I when it was given back to me, it was like, oh, geez, did I really do it? Did I really do it properly? Mm-hmm. You know, and and that so that's that's the anger side of it too. Like I hate feeling like that. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. hate that I felt like that, and, and yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the harsh side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, and I suppose I ask. It's interesting that we're talking about that because, and we've also got to remember that there's people out there who have experienced these suicidal thoughts and it's a difficult subject, but I know a number of people, uh, one in particular, that actually went to the nth degree to end his life and he was saved 
just by somebody saying, come on, mate, come and have a beer with me or something. But it, you've just got to get over that that hump mm. and it does get better, but I know that people just don't think you can. And that lady, um, and I suppose we shouldn't dwell on her because, you know, as you say, there's people out there that uh, it has affected her yeah. family but also you. Yeah. But I just think it's really important to see how your actions can affect some, like you, that lady's actions have affected your whole life yeah. and it was not your fault. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like I, I, one thing that I will respect is that um, what you were saying there about someone going to the end of the degree, a very close family member, you know, got to the same point and, yeah. and, and almost, you yeah. know, and, and it you the one thing about it that I take from it is is I'd be almost hypocritical if I was to do it like that's what I think feel personally it's like here I am angry at a person for taking their own life and and you have a moment where you're like oh geez I don't want to do it anymore and it's just like well what does that achieve yeah yeah. you know and and that's the way that I've got to look at it is like I would never do what that person did and there's nothing like there's nothing wrong with it, I guess, but it's, yeah, it's you affect so many people mm-hmm. and without even worrying about, you know, going off and doing it, you know, like you affect people. But I think, and it's easy for us to say, because uh, I've never been in that position myself, but I think at the time all you can think about what I believe is all you can think about is the pain uh, the trauma, the grief that's inside your head, and you yeah. can't—you just can't see the uh, the lo- a light at yeah. the end of the tunnel, which yeah. is, you know, terribly sad. Um, so, getting over—you uh, found that talking about it and sharing helped you. Was there someone or something that helped you in your really troubled times? Um, well, I, I think music. Mm. In the end, and and that wasn't instant. Obviously, it was you know three years before I got back to music again. So I went through a long stage of obviously my family um, did their best to like my my parents. Are, um, so my dad, he's like an old school dad. So he's like yeah. he's he's not a feelings on your sleeve type guy. So he's more yeah. he's more kind of like if you if you can. Like I say, this was respect, but if you can laugh about it and move on, yes, he's he's like a dark humor side. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I mean, like I was back in a truck seven days later. Really? That's yeah. So, and that was is that because your dad? Yeah, it was. It was like I was sitting in my and I was sitting in my. Um, apartment which was very small and yeah. I was going out of my brain and and there was a massive sense of anxiety I'd never felt anxiety before yeah. I never and and like I don't feel it anymore but when it happened like I couldn't go outside I couldn't sit in the passenger seat I couldn't yeah. I couldn't trust anything around me I couldn't walk down the street without yeah. just yeah. feeling anxiety and then you know I, th- I think like my dad, he just rang me, he gave me some space and then he rang me and he just said, look, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but there's still a lot of wood to go. <laughs> and it's like, God love that. oh, no. And, and I, like I said, I say that respect and I, I, I hope people find the funny side. So, yeah, and, yeah. and I, I, I jumped back in the truck. It's one of those I'm like brought up to get back on the yeah. horse type thing. So yeah. 
I'd jump back in the truck again and I did one trip. Like I did one trip just to know. And, and the thing is like I did the trip. I knew I could drive. I wasn't scared. And I'll, and like my brother, he drives for my dad as well. And we um, we went down together. It was like I was put train wheels back on yeah, and we rolled yeah. down together. But there was literally – he went in front and there was a point um, on the trip down where – there was a car on the side of the road. You wouldn't believe. Oh, you're right. I wouldn't. No, it's like there was a car in the middle of the night on the side of the road, and my brother was in front of me, a few hundred meters in front of me, and he's just like, like he he knew, and he just sort of calmed me down, and that he he got the first look at it, but you wouldn't believe. It. No, you're right. You know, and I was just no, like, no. but on the it wasn't on the way down, like darkness. I didn't get scared. I didn't yeah. um, nothing like that, and but it was on the way back where I was just sitting there, and I just had this feeling like I'm too young. To, to, to go through this. There's blokes who drive for 50 years that never have an incident, you know, and I'm a guy who's had a, yeah. like, something like this happen, mm-hmm. you know, and so I, yeah, I, I, I did go out of it for six months or something, which is a lot more. I know a personal friend who I said before had been through a much similar situation. He didn't drive for 10 years. Yeah, and I can understand that. And you're also saying that the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the truck you were driving was a B-double. Uh, it was it was a single, yeah. It was actually a single, but it it um, it went, yeah. Which which in itself, if if it was a B double, it probably would have been um, a lot worse, I suppose. Yeah. But in saying that too, like they were they were big blocks of wood, you know. Yeah. And, and it's sort of yeah. It, it was there's so many things. I mean, I followed a truck. Um, a truck overtook me it, at a Chuka. Um, and then got to Rochester, stopped at the pizza shop for a pizza. Yeah. Now, it was only five minutes later and I'm on my side. But it's like if that person didn't stop for a pizza, you know, like there's so many many things that I look back and I'm just – it was almost meant to be or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm glad that it wasn't like this or – but it's Mm – you you just – Yeah. Um. I thought another interesting thing that you said there at the start was that you were doing 90. Yeah. But if you were doing 100, which you're allowed to do, you would have uh, probably been killed as well. 100%. And that's why I say about that other truck is that, like, my my dad, he, he... says like he taught us that you know you don't have to go hunting you're looking after the truck yeah, there's things like fuel, fuel which now is expensive you know but it's most of the time the trucks that overtake you they would do what they just did they're racing to get to the next servo or you're you're only you can see them they're only a k away you're not gaining any time like it's in actual fact like i think 10 k's in and out, like it's six minutes or something that you, you gain. Yeah. You know, so it's like in in that instance, yeah, if I was doing 100 k's an hour, I wouldn't be here. And if that person was the person that had the incident, they probably wouldn't be here. Yet again, Nan comes to the fore because Nan has said yeah. to you about going slow. Going slow, and that's it. And I think that's where it sort of really stemmed from. It's I, I sort of kick myself not – one thing I've never been able to write about is is like the incident. Like I've never come up with a song that portrays, you know. And but in saying that too, that go slow idea is just it's it's a 
uh, metaphor on life. But mm. yeah, you obviously have those resonance on, you know, mm. go slower, drive slower, you know, but not too slow. You know? <laughs> no offense. What what drives me nuts is those people on the road that go. 80, oh, I shouldn't say that, but they do. Because yeah. you go too slow, you yeah. can cause accidents yeah. as well. Yeah. Hey, um, I don't know how to ask this, but I will. How do you feel now when you hear news uh, about a road death or an accident these days? Do you sort of get a little bit of a uh, – do you feel a bit of anxiousness or uh, – Yeah, I like I have – it depends on the, on the circumstance. So um, – Obviously, situations in my field or, or anything to do with the truck is always because someone's getting hurt and that's just the yes. harsh reality of it. Yeah. You know, but um, there's also some idiots out there, you know, so, but it's, yeah, obviously it, it, I don't dwell on it too much. Mm. I don't, I never think, you know, it never instantly takes me back or anything, but yeah, I just sort of, it was one of those weird yeah, it's one of those weird things. I, d- I don't really think no, about it. No, that's good. Yeah, no, I, d- I don't really reminisce on anything or think about it too much. No. Oh, I think that's a good thing and and maybe the fact that you've been and got some professional help and you've got – because I think that's how professional help works or it helps by getting it all out of your system, talking about it, mm. and then it's almost like freeing you of this cloud, I suppose. Yeah. Um, has the accident changed your driving habits at all? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like I'm, I'm a hell of a lot more observant. Um, I had, I've had multiple, like close calls again of just you know people talking, like texting on their phone, the whole drifting across. I've had, I was travelling up north, up to Queensland with a triple on, and I was coming into, I think it was Parks or something, and this car, literally within a hundred meters of me and then realised what was going on and drifted back mm. again, you know. And, and the, that's the hard part about it is is one mistake that I made and it seems selfish but I shouldn't have left the centre of the lane. I shouldn't have moved as well. Like I spent so much time trying to avoid it with all this weight on. I should have just, like it's not, yeah, that's, that's if I ever put myself in that position again, I'm, I'm not moving because, mm. yeah. So if... If you hadn't have moved, what are you saying would have happened to the lady in the car? Well, the outcome probably would have been the same, mm. but it's like when you're taught to drive, it's like you're observant and stuff and you want to pull over or you want to try and move, but half the time the evasive in, in an instance like that where it's so fast-paced, you're trying to – if you know how to control a vehicle, of course, it's fine, but most people when they jerk or they do something mm. like that – and Sometimes I wonder how I even managed to keep it upright until because mm. I that's the other thing too I would have been able to keep it steady but when you've got so much inertia from all that weight rolling around it would have it would have inevitably ended up the same so all I'm saying is even even truck drivers said to me it's like um, those instances obviously something tragic might happen but you've kind of got to, for a truck, this is for a truck, obviously not for a yeah, car, yeah. but as, as far as a truck goes, when you're, when you're observing the things around you and, and looking further downfield too, like even, you know, now with the brought in rules of stop pulling down to 40 when you're out on the open highway for police officers or any emergency or anything like that, like mm-hmm. you've got to be ready to come around a corner and see that stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. 
you've got to be ready to slow down um, and, and, you know, move and, and drive safely. But as far as being a, a, a huge vehicle like a truck, you've got to, it's one of those things you've got to come to terms with that you've got to stay where you are because it's kind of the safest place for you to be mm-hmm. because the amount of damage you can cause otherwise is just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must admit I've always been told my husband, where we live, as you know, up here, there's a lot of ruse. Yeah. And I know my husband has always said to me, it's been drilled into me, I'm also from all our friends up here, with ruse, there's a lot of them on the roads. You never, ever uh, try and avoid a rue because you will do a head-on or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my, my nan's actually got something <laughs> about that. So my, she, my nan always says, she goes, you don't, you don't try and swerve to hit a rue, but you don't want him to hit the radio because you've got to drive home. <laughs> I'm liking your nan yeah. and your dad, for that matter. Yeah. Your mum, your mum hasn't got a mention yet. No. No. <laughs> Sorry, mum, and yeah. your brother has. Um, I was wondering if you were going to say then when I asked you about uh, your drive, have your driving habits changed? Do you still wear thongs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, my dad used to say to me, "Never ever wear thongs." Well, I'm not a truck driver that wears thongs. You obviously, when you go to a survey, you see the big boys get out yeah. and they got their tank tops on. I'm not like that. I normally do have workwear on, but when in those instances where you're basically just cruising, you're, you're driving to go to bed is what you're doing. Yeah. So you, you've had a shower and you're just comfortable and you're driving to to go to bed. So. I don't, I don't drive every day with thongs on, but, yeah, just that instance. It's one of those things. I look back, it's probably one of the only times I did wear thongs up to that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so coming to a close, let's give uh, Daniel Barrett a plug. Where, how can people find out where you're playing, uh, what about your website or how can they, can you give people a bit of an idea of where to find you? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook, obviously. My handle is Daniel Barrett's Raw and Acoustic Music. Um, if you, like Mariel said, if you go on Google, if you type in Daniel Barrett, it'll come up musician and that's me. And that was like a little bit of self-fame. I couldn't believe it the first time I, I seen it. And um, Yeah, so my Facebook page is probably my most prominent thing. Um, that's where I put all my gigs up. Um, I'm... Not so much now. I'm getting back into it now, but I've, there's so many like videos of covers and songs that I write, and um, yeah, then I'm, I'm on Spotify, so I've got my own originals recorded, and I'm on Spotify and iTunes, and I'm I'm sort of I'm by myself. I'm pretty independent, so there's things like I was speaking to before. I've only just got cards made up for people. The amount of times I get asked for a card, and I've I've got a massive sign, so I've got like a two foot sign, three foot sign, yeah. with my handle and everything on it. And I'm just like, I'll just take a photo of the sign, you know. I'm a bit I'm a bit uh, bit rough, but that's the whole thing too. That's that's what I try and portray, and I don't steer away from like. My my brand my brand is yeah. raw and acoustic, so I don't I don't want bells and whistles. I don't yeah. want it. What you see is what you get. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Daniel Barrett for raw and acoustic. I think you should go and have a listen. Uh, okay. Well, look. Thanks, Dan, for um, sharing with us. Oh, some really private and personal. Uh, experiences and I'm sure there's many out there who can resonate with what you've gone through and where you are now and I suppose hopefully what we've talked about today yes it's pretty confronting and it's pretty difficult but um, I think you know sometimes hearing this sort of stuff is the inspiration that people need so um, 
always talk to somebody. Don't keep it in your in your head. All right. Uh, thanks again, Dan, and good luck with everything. All right. Thanks, Laura. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A T R E O N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.